Okay. So we're doing Thomas's dedication today. It's an awesome day where we just get to dedicate Thomas through care and prayer to the Lord. Um, so I thought it would be good. I like to take time at least once a year to really talk about the hardest job in America, parenting, and to talk about how we are raising our children to follow Jesus, raising our children to worship Jesus. And um, it can be a tremendously scary thing to become a parent. It can be so scary to become a parent. I remember when I first heard three months after I got married that I was going to be a dad. The anxiety attack proceeded. Natalie had read the pregnancy test wrong twice. And so I'm like, we're good. We're good. I was in a trench doing an underground service, 400 amp service in Peabody for a funeral home. She gives me the call and says, listen, I've been reading those test wrongs. We're about to do it. I said, okay. I proceeded to hang up the phone. It's a cell phone, so you don't do that. Shut off my cell phone. Stepped out of the trench and hit my head so hard on the two by four because I didn't know where I was going. I then walked to the basement that was unfinished in the funeral home. I was 25 years old. Yeah, 25. They had not laid the concrete in the basement. It was all dirt. No one was in there. We were working on wiring this big funeral home, and I proceeded to throw up multiple times. <laughs> this is really my life. This is really what happened. I was so nervous about becoming a parent, I had an anxiety attack. I went home. We told Joe Vec. Joe Vec proceeded to go in the hallway and cry, not because he was happy, because he was so stressed out because we were living in his basement. And so... <laughs> if we, if Natalie didn't get pregnant with Talia, I still think we'd be in that basement, like straight up. <laughs> Having Talia made me grow up. I said, okay, it's official. I've got to grow up. What I want you to hear today is I empathize with our fairest parents. I empathize with the struggle. I empathize with the sacrifice. I once heard uh, one of my favorite comedians say, his friends always tell him, you've got to have a kid. When you have a kid, it won't be all about you anymore. And he said, why the heck would I want to do that? Why would I want to make my life not about me? There's some fleshly truth to that. But part of the call of being a parent is when we parent, we begin to learn things about God, learn things about his love, learn things about his faithfulness, learn things about his grace that really enrich our life and our faith as we grow in Jesus. So some of our parents, all parents are like, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. Some of us may be overconfident, and I would encourage you to be more broken in spirit and poor in spirit in your parenting skills. There is a time when you say, Jesus, I'm about to raise another image bearer of God, and I'm still navigating through my own stuff, how do I do this? And you know what? God is always faithful to give us the grace to parent well. Amen? Never perfect. Never perfect. But part of good parenting is showing your kids that you're not perfect, but you're still following Jesus. Amen? That's huge. If we only parenting our children, if we only gave our kids wisdom and guidance when we thought we were ready to, no child would ever get wisdom 
No child would ever get disciplined. No child would ever get taught the scriptures. Many of us became parents young. And guess what? When you're young, you don't have it figured, all figured out. When you're old, you don't have it all figured out. There's an illusion that I'm going to hit about 45 and just walk around just casting off wisdom. Like, this is how you do this. You understand. Like, that doesn't happen. You might get wiser. You got, might get more disciplined. You are grown in character if you're in Jesus. But you're always going to be a dependent being that needs to lean on God to raise your kids well in the gospel of grace. I want us to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 10. We're going Old Testament. This is called the Shema. It was recited every night. The Hebrew people, the covenant people of God, the people of Israel, would recite this phrase every night with their children. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, let's start there. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I recite the Shema every night. I'm not Hebrew. I'm not saying you have to do that. But almost every de- night, maybe it used to be like five out of seven nights. Now it's three out of four nights as the kids get older. We recite it and I say, for the Lord our God. And they repeat after me, for the Lord our God. For the Lord our God is one God. They repeat after me. And I say, love the Lord your God. And I act to ask, you know, some motions to it with all your heart. And they go, with all your heart. With all your soul, and they're like, soul, and all your strength, and I, these huge biceps, I just flex them on them. And I have got that ingrained in my kids. The most important thing that's central to their life is to love God and to know God. Now, we follow that with John 3.16, and they repeat after me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you have both the most important commandment in understanding God, shaping in your kids that God is one. And the most important thing is to love him. And if they can learn that, everything will flow out of that. And they're also learning the gospel of Jesus in its most simplest form to explain to other people, John 3.16. I'm going to start here. The most important thing with our children to be a godly parent, to see fruit in our kids' life, is to shape their worldview. They must have a biblical worldview. Some kids are giving other worldviews or no worldviews, and the worst advice and deceitful advice that people ever gave to parents was just let the kids grow up and decide what they're going to learn when it comes to religion. Now, Kids, no matter what you do, are going to grow up and decide what they're going to do. You don't have to tell them to do that. They have free volition. They will grow up and make their own choices. But for some reason, people take the religion category out, and every other area they tell them how to live their life. Like, this is what you do with business. This is what you do with savings. This is education. And we 
teach these doctrines to our children, when it comes to religion, it's like, I'm just going to let them figure it out for themselves. It's the most important thing that you teach your children about is how they view God, who God is, what his nature is, how you live in response to God's nature is so important to your child. To have a biblical worldview. The way a child views the world, its meaning and its, pur- and its purpose is the vital to the way they live your life. They live their life. Every person has a worldview, whether we know it or not. Every person. A child is going to learn to view the world. And they're going to view the world through the lens that you set up for them. So if you teach them that they're just here by chance, that there's no purpose, there's no meaning, that it's just survival of the fittest, they are going to view life like that, and they're going to treat others like that. So if we just believe in secular, atheistic, evolutionary means, that's how we got there, why should someone not bully someone else? You tell me. Because nature, they bully and you get to the top. Why would you not bully if there's not a God? That worldview shapes your child. You can go with Eastern religions that talk there's many gods. And you almost create God in your own image. Why can you not create God in your own image if God didn't reveal that he's one God? So there's important things. How your child views the world is how they will treat others and how they respond to others and how they will live their life. And what's at stake here? is you can live a life that looks so fruitful to the world, so successful to the world. You can raise your child in a way that people say they're successful, but they can gain the whole world and lose their own soul. That's how serious this is. So we start with the worldview, and this is what I want to hit here. The most important thing in this worldview is to teach your children that they're made in the image of God. This will help them understand themselves understand how they're supposed to relate to God, and understand how they're supposed to treat others. (coughs) The first thing is, your children are going to long to be in community. They're going to long to have friends. They're going to long to be connected. And you need to teach them how to function in relationship and community well. Why do we want to be in community? Why do we need to teach our kids that they're communal creatures? Why? Because God is Trinitarian in nature and he was in community before he even created the world. What do we learn in Orthodox Christianity from day one? Father, Son, and Spirit, three but one. God is a community, yet he's one God. Perfect relationship. So you're made to be in community. The worst thing you could teach your kid is don't lean on anyone. I've heard these people, this mafiosa doctrine. Don't lean on anyone. Keep your enemies close. And we turn to the good fellas to raise our kids, right? Before we know, we think we're calling Proverbs and it's like good fellas. You're independent. You walk alone. You don't trust anyone. You learn to trust yourself. You survive. You keep, and before you know it, you're raising your kid to be an independent person and God made them to be communal. Secondly, 
you need to teach your children, we need to teach our children that they are unique in creation. You see, secular atheistic evolution teaches them they're just another animal who evolved better and survived better. Therefore, they are not unique. And if they had to save a dog or a human, they might jump in and save the dog because dog give that unconditional love. It's at that point where people are actually getting more affectionate for animals than they are getting for other people because we are teaching our children that they're just another animal and they're not made uniquely to be in relationship with God and to bear His image. Our children need to see themselves as image bearers of God. Unique, called to steward all creation and love all creation and cultivate all creation. And they need to have that worldview to say that God made me in his image and he made me to love him and his love is upon me in a unique way. That worldview is humongous. So let's start there with shaping our children in that way. Secondly, Teach them that the word of God is the ultimate authority of who God is, what is truth, what is right, and what is reality. My daughter was asking me the other day, how do you hear from God? Maybe it was a few months ago. How do you hear from God? We need to teach ourselves, our children, that you hear from God by hearing from the scriptures. And let me unravel this for you. People wrongly teach their kids, follow your heart. Like we got this Disney doctrine. Like I saw it in Aladdin. We get this Disney doctrine and we teach our kids to follow your heart. Now that presupposes a few things. That presupposes that man's heart is good. Have you looked at history? Have you looked at your family? Have you looked at yourself? Good hearts I do not see. It's not a biblical doctrine that man is good at his core. Therefore, if you tell your child to follow every emotion they have, every feeling they have in their heart as if it's pure, they will find themselves on so many paths that are anti-gospel and wasteful to their lives. I'm telling you, this doctrine has got into the church and scripture does not support it. We need to teach our kids to follow their heart if their heart's following God that's revealed through Scripture. Amen? And then you will have a stable child that learns how to navigate life. And I said to my daughter, listen, because people get all this, how do I hear God? That feeling was God. That feeling wasn't God. I was mad that was God. I thought this was God. It wasn't God. And you become a roller coaster instead of a rock. And you want to raise kids that are confident, that, that are confident, that are stable, that are rocks, that can make it through every storm. And the only way to make it through every storm is if they lean on this. You cannot go, know God unless he reveals himself. If you have dinner, I shared this with someone the other day. If I invited you to dinner and you didn't know me, I didn't know you, and we sat down in Brother's Deli, and I just looked at you, and you looked at me, everybody's uncomfortable. You just ate our omelet. And I looked at you, you looked at me. I can make all kinds of speculations about who you are. And you know what? Most religions are all speculation of man looking at the sky and saying this must be God. But until you open up your mouth and tell me who you are, I cannot know you. I can make all kinds of wrong judgments about you. But until I open up my mouth, you cannot know me. 
God has opened up his mouth and revealed himself who he is. And we need to teach our children that this is how he reveals himself. Because what will happen is their emotions will go crazy. People will tell them other things. They will look at other religions and say, no, God is not this. No, why is God this? Why? It gets that knowledge of good and evil that we know better than God what's good and evil. Instead of hearing from God and who he is on what's good and evil. If you raise a child that understands the authority and the love and the nature of the scriptures, you will raise a child that is confident, stable, and strong. Amen? That is huge on the worldview. Thirdly, teach your children that the gospel is central to everything. Not only is God working on our hearts as parents, but he's working on our children's hearts as they come to faith. And I want to encourage parents, your kids can come to faith young. Don't put these legalistic boundaries on them like, I need to see their life before they are baptized. I don't know what voice that was. I was like Ramsey from the Ten Commandments or something like that. Like, we put all these parameters on our kid that Scripture doesn't. You know that God can save your kid very young. They can come to faith and want to be baptized and he will nurture that gospel within them and the Holy Spirit will provide for them faith, courage, sanctification throughout their life. You know that John the Baptist jumped in the womb. You want to talk no about God when you're young? He jumped in the womb. The Holy Spirit was already moving in him. And I've been guilty of it too. My youngest daughter wanted to get baptized and I kept pushing it off. I kept saying, she ain't ready. Let's see how she does tomorrow. She's on the clock. And finally, I kept going back and forth, and I said, I don't want to hurt the faith of my young daughter. God's doing something in her heart, and it's amazing that she believes. You know, God did a great work with seeing her even come to faith young. But we have to understand and give grace to our children. You know, like, as a parent, your kids irritate you sometimes. Can I get an Amen. I was sitting on the couch the other day, and one of my daughters would do something irritating, and I almost said these words. I might have even said them. I can't remember. Stop acting like a child. Now, you've got to work through some things if you're trying to tell your kid to stop acting like a child. I said, what's wrong with my heart? I'm telling my kid to stop acting like a kid? They're growing up. They're learning, and we need to teach them that even when they fall, even when they sin, because kids do sin, they don't just make mistakes. They sin. They lie. If we can teach them that that was wrong, that was sinful, and you have to discipline, but also say, you know what? God is going to show you grace. And what you do, you know when I pray my kids? I pray and I say, let's pray to God that he changes your heart in this area so that you will learn to obey. We need to see changed hearts in our children. And when a child's heart is changed, their behavior changes. That is so important. Because you know what happens? Your kids are like you. They get your good traits, and they get the bad ones. Can I get an amen? And you look and say, you've got to be kidding me. She got this from me. And you've got to teach them how to apply the gospel even from a young age. Because your child will be prone to sin in the same areas you're prone to sin because they have your genetics. Do you know what I'm saying? You have a jump start on these kids because all the good stuff they got from you and all the bad stuff they got from you. And so you need to learn if your child is antisocial, know where they got it from? You. Me. 
I look and I say, this kid is just like me. And I gotta, I gotta help. I gotta help. I gotta know the ways that my heart needs to be changing that. And I need to tell your kids that this is a moment of learning. I say that to my kids myself, you know. I say it to my kids. I say, this is a moment where you have to learn and grow in this because if you keep this habit until you get older, it is going to affect all of your life. You know, adults that whine were kids who whine. Adults who don't respect authority were kids who don't respect authority. If we don't give consequences to our children, they will think that God gives no consequences. I'm serious. There's some adults that cannot understand sin and consequences because their parents never put parameters on them. I've had parents say this to me. I don't like punishing my kid because it makes me feel bad. Do you hear what's wrong with that? It's selfish. It's self. I'm afraid they won't like me. They won't like you, and that's a good thing. I mean, they love you, but don't get me wrong. Anytime you get a consequence, you think you're like, thank you for doing that. Love you. I'll be in here in a two-hour timeout. No, this is not a, you know, this is part of parenting. And you have to give consequences because you are shaping that child's worldview. And the, the way they view their heavenly father is much times the way they view their earthly fathers. That's why it's so hard for us who come from broken homes to see as God is loving and patient and caring for us because everything we learned growing up was God was nothing like that. And so a lot of my preaching has to aim at God is a loving, caring, gentle father who loves you and is patient. As parents, we need to model that gospel for our children, say grace is for them too. I'm going to talk to dads right now. Fathers, taking responsibility to lead the biblical teaching of your family is of the utmost importance. Single moms, at this season of your life, you're going to have to take that role of teaching your children and taking the reins on that. And of course, me and Dave are here to help in any way we can. Too many dads abdicate their role of leading their family spiritually. And it's detrimental. But when a dad picks up that mantle, when he takes that baton, a family will thrive. We have to teach our children the scriptures and dads have to teach their children the scriptures. The day of dads claiming ignorance on knowing the scriptures needs to be in our past. You need to not catch up on the stats during the week. You need to catch up on understanding the scripture. Throw that fantasy football screen out and stomp on it in the streets if you don't know the scriptures yet. Enjoy fantasy football if you know your game. Enjoy it. I'm not knocking fantasy football. But if you aren't where you need to be in the scriptures to teach your children, you better be smashing everything that's in your way. Amen? Because it's of the utmost importance. They better not know how to run a route before they know how to run the gospel. This is so important to our children because many men waste their time and energy knowing things that are okay and fun, but they need to apply that energy to the gospel to teach their family because it's so important. And the strength of knowing that is going to change our families and it's going to change our children. And you've got to have those tough conversations. If you don't know the scriptures, you don't know how to apply the scriptures to different things in your life. The things they're teaching in some of our schools are absolute anti-gospel now. You have a kid that's going to get to sex ed? You want to get scared? Worse than any horror movie you've ever seen in your life? 
Realize that your kid's getting close to that sex ed class where everyone's who anti-moral is going to teach the sex ed class, and then you've got to try to undo everything they taught your kid. You've got to stay ahead of the game. And you can't be afraid, dads, and you can't be afraid, moms, and you've got to get in there and tell them that God has called them to live holy and set apart. You know, so my daughter was getting close to that sex ed class, and after sweating profusely for three weeks straight, I said, we've got to have to sit down. Because I can't allow these goofballs to be shaping my daughters. These guys can't navigate their own life. I'm going to teach my kids some of the most important stuff. Are you crazy? That's the lens comes out of me. So I said, Natalie, we've got to do this. And we have had some conversations, but this was the big one. And you know what the father, you know what comes naturally to us when moms are talking to daughters? Like, you go in there, I'll be out here, you let me know if you need me. Right? Isn't that the natural thing that happens? Like, it'd be much easier to stay out here. And you let me know. You give that call. Anything goes down, you need me. In other words, you're saying, don't call me unless it's 911 stuff. So I said, no, I'm doing this. It's going to be so uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable. It was everything I hoped it would be. And I sat down with my daughter, and we began to outline sexual holiness. And know how, why we knew how to outline sexual holiness? Because of what's revealed in the scriptures. And we've been saying that God has called you. God has made you in his image. God has called you to follow him. God has shaped you as a Christian. And this is the parameters that God has revealed are sexually holy. And we said you were to love everyone. That's what you teach your kids. You don't teach your kids hate. You say God's called you to be holy. And you love people regardless of their actions. But you don't become like that because that is anti-gospel. And that's unholy and that's sin. So you teach those parameters to your kids. And you say, do you understand love? Do you understand the scriptures? And you understand what you're called to do? And we sat and had that conversation for a few minutes. Those moments when parents do the hard things are things that will shape your children for the rest of their lives. Because you know, for those of us who have daughters, do you know what guys are going to be coming along and telling your daughters? Everything's okay. No, that's not in the scriptures. What are you talking about? Nah, that's back then. There are dirt bags out there. Absolute dirt bags. They're going to sit down and try to have their conversations and convince our daughters that things that are sinful are all right. And dads and single moms and moms alike need to step in and say, that's not all right. God has something better for you. It's going to be hard. The road is hard. You will suffer, but you will be rewarded. And all the road they're following will lead to destruction. Amen? This is serious stuff. This is the stuff that brings life. This is the stuff we have to fight for as Christians. We've got to teach our kids to love the church and its people. The primary community that we have our kids around will shape them who they are. Do you ever wonder why your child became like that lazy, selfish uncle that you don't like? Because they were around that lazy, selfish uncle most of the time. You ever wonder why your daughter became like that dramatic aunt that starts a fight on Thanksgiving? Because she was around that aunt the most. Now, I'm not saying stop hanging around with your family. I'm saying if that's your primary community, your kids will become like them. But if you teach your kids, don't look at that. 
Look at the men who are working hard. Look at the men who are selfless. Look at the men who are loving their wives right. Look at the women who are honoring God and respecting God and loving their children and loving womanhood. Look at them. You will have children that grab onto the better things and the Christ-like things and grow up in that way. That is the most important thing that happened to me as a kid. If I only had the view of the brokenness that was surrounding me, I would have became like the brokenness I was beholding. But I had different things that I saw. I said, you don't have to live like that. Okay, a man can be holy. Okay, a man can stand. Okay, a man doesn't have to be selfish. You know what? A man doesn't have to do drugs. Like, I saw those things. And I said, there's a different path. And other people shaped me for 25 years. Different men and women of God. That is the most important You have to keep your kids around the church of Christ when they're loving Jesus and loving each other. Now, if you go home and you do what comes easy to the flesh, I can't stand that person at church. They sat in my row. They know that's my row. I can't take that song. I hate when they do that song. That's the worst song. They should take it out of the song list. And all the other things we say about people, I can't stand that person. They're always the first in line at missional community. They ate all the ham before I got there. Now, I'm keeping it light, but we get nasty. We get nasty. When you go home, you've got to show that same grace to others. Because you have a bunch of philosophies in here. You have a bunch of different parenting philosophies. You've got a bunch of different church philosophies. You've got people who are good socially, people who are awkward socially. You've got all that in this church family we got to love people regardless, amen? And when you see that we're all loving people regardless of what we're going through, your kids will learn to love people, and they'll start looking forward to church. That's such an ancient concept to people. People are like, you look forward to church? My wife's got to drag me up in there. No, we got, my kids are excited about church. Our children should be excited about church because they have community, because they love people, because people are happy to see them. You have to make the church and loving its people Priority, because that will shape your kids more than anything. Thirdly, pray with your kids, dads and moms, single moms. Pray with your kids. I, it's so tempting not to pray with your kids at night. I want to turn on Netflix. I want to say, just get in there. Brush your teeth, get in there. But to go in and pray with your kids every night is so important. They will learn that that's a part of their ritual. And you can pray in the morning too and stuff like that. But praying with your kids is so important. The other night, I tried to bail out on a prayer. Kara was like, you haven't prayed with us, da-da. <laughs> Giving me that tood. Like, you know your responsibilities. Get in here and do them. I was like, all right, she's right. She's right. You got to pray with your kids. Because if you teach your kids that communication, that dependence of God, they're going to look for that all through their life. And they're going to look to you to pray with them. I'm sick. Will you pray with me, da-da? I'm afraid. Will you pray with me, Dada? I'm happy, Dada. Can we pray just to thank God for all the goodness in my life? Mama, all these things. We've got to pray with our children. That is so important. And finally, this is the reward of all this. Of course, this isn't exhaustive, and this is just some things to teach our children. But the reward of all of this, see, there's different ways people measure success when it comes to raising children. And we don't want to grab on to the wrong metrics. So want your kids to go to college if that's what they want to do. Want your kids to save money and buy a house. Want your kids to be 
do some of the things you want them to do. But anything, when the secondary thing becomes the primary thing, it becomes idolatry, and you can lead your kids on a path that will ultimately be wasteful. So your kid can go to college, they can kill it in college, and they can waste their whole lives. That has to be a real understanding of ours. Your kids can be the best saver. They were putting something in the IRA at 16. You didn't even know about it. They can save all this money, have the best retirement in the game. And if that becomes primary to them, they can waste their whole lives. So those aren't the alternate metrics. The alternate metrics are these two things. Does my child, when they grow up, are they walking in holiness? Are they walking in grace? Is their life marked by obedience, love for Jesus, love for his church, and love for his mission? Is my child's life marked by that? I'd much, much rather see my child living week to week serving Jesus than I would see them with the unbelievable RRA where their life just revolves around them. See, if we have the moral metrics, that will hurt our parenting. I went to a youth group when I was younger, and one of the saddest things I've seen from this youth group is 75% of the people in that youth group are not following Jesus right now. And those were parents who said, we love Jesus, we're in church, we even send our kids to youth group. And I look and I know them, and some just say it blatantly, I'm not following Jesus anymore. And that's one of the saddest things to see. What a beautiful testimony of the parents at Restoration Road that we look back, this is one thing I want to be 100%, that we raise our children in this community, knowing Jesus, loving people, being on mission, and we look back and say all of our children's lives are marked by obedience, love for Jesus, love for his church, and love for his mission. And go to college and save money and do those things, but they're secondary marks and metrics of success. They're the metrics that Jesus set up. And finally, the most joyful thing is I hope for if I stop eating so much cheese and I live to 99, cholesterol is bad, my wife tells me. I love to see my children's children knowing Jesus. I love to see it passed on to the next generation. You want to talk about a metric of success? It's not only you get it good in round one, but round two, they're still teaching the kids about Jesus. What a success that is. What a success it is to be looking at Talia and Kira, and they've married the best men in the world. They're masculine. They have beards. <laughs> you know, they saved up, but Jesus was number one. To look at that and say, well, my grandkids, I'm hoping for grandsons, because there's only women in my house. I've got to get a grandson. This ain't right. My granddaughters and my grandsons are learning the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll die a happy old man, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way, right? Old man or old woman say, wow, I was successful because my, my kids know Jesus was most important. They pass it on to their kids. Let that be all of our prayers. Let's keep the mission of God central. Your kids will value what you value. So if the number one value of your life is to be on the mission of God, make disciples, love his church, love people, advance the gospel, your kids are going to see that. That will come central to their life, and they'll seek first the kingdom of God, and all those things will be added. That's what Scripture says. If we can teach our kids to seek first the kingdom of God, everything will be added to them. Let that be our prayer. May God give us grace to do that well. May he have grace on our children, and may this church be filled 20 or 30 years with those grandchildren 
who are worshiping Jesus. Amen? Let's pray.